it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Another potential indictment for Trump. This time over January 6th, because, well, that's that's how we do it in this country now. We don't like you politically. Go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kevins here. Casey out today. The great, the fabulous, the talented, the amazing. From Saturday Night on the Circle, Ethan Hatcher with us. Ethan, hello. Good morning, Mr. Rob. Happy to be here. Well, it is another day and another indictment looms over President Trump. He tweeted or truth or whatever we're calling it these days on social media that Jack Smith, the prosecutor overseeing the uh documents case has now informed him that there's an investigation related to his behavior on January the 6th and they're not even hiding it anymore like it's not a guise it's not in the cover of darkness they're like we do not like you and we are going to not stop until you are in jail yeah, the Justice Department has definitely been weaponized against Trump. Now, I, I actually am a little curious to see what would come out in a January 6th investigation, and I wonder why they didn't just lead with this instead of Alvin Bragg's hush money uh, investigation, which obviously a civil settlement is not illegal. So I, I'm not sure why they didn't just come out with this, you know? Like, this this is something I would be curious about. I, uh, I look at this, and, you know, it's interesting there are certain people that it is hard to make them a sympathetic figure. Like, I am one of those people. <laughs> we talked about this on your Saturday night on the Circle Show uh, this past Correct. week. It is very hard to make me a sympathetic figure. Yet, when the police were weaponized against me at the Brownsburg Town Council meeting, somehow a guy who is loved by half of the community and reviled by half of the community became an almost uniformed sympathetic figure in me because you shouldn't weaponize the police for a guy asking how something gets on the agenda right same thing with trump it's very hard because look trump is a wild man he's an entertainer he's brash he insults people it's very hard to make this guy a sympathetic figure and yet at least inside of the republican party even amongst people who don't necessarily care for trump you make him a sympathetic figure because this is ridiculous. It's definitely because of the legal pile on. It's because they do stack upon stack of charges and they don't leave well enough alone. Of course, it makes him look like the target he is and is boosting his popularity among the Republican base. I believe Democrats understand this has a regressive effect. I think they they want Trump to win the primaries because they are gambling. They can defeat him again in the general. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent on that. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I think they wholeheartedly now i think it's two things right if he goes to jail they're going to be fine with that they would love to see him in jail they'd love to see him with an inmate number but worst case scenario he and it's working he's going to be the republican nominee barring some sort of crazy unforeseen circumstance and then they get to run against the guy they want to run against 
There is so they win either way. All right. So cringe on Pierre. You know her. She's the press secretary. Does a well, just an outstanding <laughs> job. I she's mean. a historical figure, Rob. Remember, she said so. Right. Yes, yes, because she is uh, gay, black, and a woman. She is a historical figure, and uh, right up there with uh, you know Paul Revere and uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. She's right in line with just all the great historical figures. Um, she had a press conference yesterday, and of course got asked about the fact that, well, Biden's Justice Department keeps indicting or potentially indicting the guy he's likely to run against. And she said, Ethan, that, well, Biden really respects the independence of the the DOJ. And it's really easy to respect uh, the independence of an organization when it keeps coming down against people you hate. Former President Trump received a letter from the special counsel that he's being investigated for his role in efforts to overturn the 2020 election. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the Biden administration has decided to, quote, weaponize government to go after their number one opponent, end quote. I'll say Here's what we have done. The president respects the Department of Justice, their independence. Uh, he has been very... Um, very steadfast on making sure that the rule of law comes back in this administration, comes back uh, in the White House and clearly the administration more broadly. And that's what you have seen. I'm just not going to comment on this particular case. There you have it. He respects their independence. And magically, that independence lets his loser kid walk scot-free, right. and they will not stop indicting Donald Trump. The the, le- the the levels of intensity where they direct their focus is incredible because they find all the things on Donald Trump, but they find nothing on Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton. They find all the things for the January 6th uh, riot participants, but they find nothing for the guy that brought cocaine into the White House. It's just, it's incredible where they direct their focus, you know? There's a great movie that Chris Farley and David Spade were in called Black Sheep. And in that movie, Chris Farley and David Spade are playing checkers and Chris Farley keeps telling David Spade where to move his pieces and he keeps winning and he's laughing hysterically and he goes, yeah, you should move it over there. And of course he moves the piece knowing he's going to get jumped and he jumps him and goes, that wasn't safe at all. Like this is the game we're, we're playing here where we pretend at least one side is pretending that it's legitimate and the other side is like, this is the most ridiculous thing in the history of ever. Yet the one side who pretends it's legitimate is totally getting off on the fact that they're air quote winning when the game is totally rigged to begin with. All right, let's let's go back in the time machine for a second. By the way, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. Let's go back in the time machine to January 6th because the question is, what did Donald Trump do that could possibly be a pro- is prosecu- prosecutorial prosecutable is that the, prosecutable if any of my prosecutor friends out there uh, <laughs> i have several it's always good to keep them in your back pocket in case the police get weaponized against you at the town council meeting ethan uh, if any of my prosecutor friends could uh, clarify is it prosecutable or prosecutorial or both either way If there's something that could be prosecuted, how about that? Yeah. Uh, Let's just remind everybody of what Donald Trump actually said on January 6th. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order 
We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. So I'd like to prosecute you. Okay, for what? Well, you told everyone to be peaceful and go home. Rob, th- this is old, Rob. You've been talking so much sense about Trumps lately. I've been so thrilled to watch your turnaround regarding your feelings with this you man. You believe this was artificial this is, intelligence? This was is, fake you're, or you're what? Back to, you're back to old Rob what, with, you, with him. You're giving him a pass. Yes, he said that, but what did he say before? What did he say? I watched that 70-minute speech that he gave on the White House lawn where he ginned up the audience after several other speakers, including his son, drumming up the charges that he had more than 60 opportunities to uh, prove in a court of law failed, including not filing his own paperwork on time among a litany of other problems, telling him, oh, it was a fraudulent election. And he said, you got to fight like hell and we're marching down Pennsylvania Avenue. He said that. Now, he did not say attack the Congress. He did not say infiltrate the halls. He did not say break down the doors, but he said everything just short of that. He definitely was ginning up the crowd and then he waited for Forever, forever to come out with that. Oh, well, yeah, you got to go home in peace. Got to go home in peace. But eventually, yeah, he put the Band-Aid, uh, you know, as the, dam, as the dam was coming crashing down. Wait, so it is your assertion that Jack Smith is acting correctly and that he should be prosecuted? I, I just want to, I would be curious to see what comes out in a deposition. I'm not saying that he's guilty of anything. I'm just, I'm just curious to see what would come out. Are you, you know? are you being for real? Like, are you, are you, are you pulling a Rob and just trolling people for fun? Or are you being serious? Are you being serious right now? This I, is think very, this, I think this, this is, is the most legitimate of all their charges. This is a watershed moment in your radio career. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you as your friend and your mentor, are you being serious right now that you actually believe that Donald Trump he called be, the cr- He called the crowd there. He ginned them up. He said, you got to fight like hell. If you allow this to happen, if you, will, you know, allow the election to be stolen, you won't have a country. Well, here we are almost four years later. We're getting ready to have another election. We still have a country, Rob. He lied like hell for 70 minutes. So again, now, he, he did at, not tell the crowd to attack the Capitol building. I went, he did not say that on tape. He said everything just short of that. Wow. That, uh, we have made some news here today. Uh, I had a Trump tweet to read, but I think with that, we should just digest. <laughs> we should process. Uh, when we come back, all sorts of people sounding off You don't on this. think that his rhetoric was irresponsible? It could be real, Rob. I, I think we tell people to fight like hell every day. I think a person with an ounce of common sense realizes that- And then he th- aimed him at the Capitol building. He, We're going to march down Pennsylvania Avenue, and then he abandoned him. He didn't march down Ca- Pennsylvania so, Avenue. So telling somebody to walk down- down mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Avenue mm-hmm. is is a prosecutor. I mean, Mike Pence needs to do the right thing. That's I mean, like That's, I said, I'm, I'm going to need a need to take a little break here and process what we just heard. I am uh, just absolutely blown away with that. And I will give you full credit for saying that out loud on these airwaves. We've got lots of people weighing in on this. DeSantis, Large Marge weighing in. We'll play their thoughts coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey show. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You gotta fight for your right to party. You know, the Rodney Dangerfield character in that movie yeah. is Donald Trump. Right, like, I mean, that is is—that is the same guy. 93 WIBC, the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kevins here. Ethan's in for Casey today. So we continue on. Obviously, a lot of people weighing in on Trump tweeting out that he thinks he's going to be indicted. Again, he's clearly under investigation. That has been confirmed for his role in January 6th. Ron DeSantis did a sit-down yesterday with Jake Tapper on CNN, and we'll play you audio clips throughout the day of that. I thought that was super interesting. And he obviously got asked about this potential indictment of Trump related to January 6th. Here's what DeSantis had to say. Uh, This country is going down the road of criminalizing political differences, and I think that's wrong. Alvin Bragg stretched a statute Mm -hmm. in in Manhattan to be able to try to target Donald Trump. Most people, even people on the left, acknowledge if that wasn't Trump, that case would not have likely been brought uh, against a normal civilian. And so you have a situation where the Department of Justice, FBI, uh, have been weaponized uh, against people they don't like. And the number one example of that happened to be against Donald Trump with the Russia collusion. Uh, that was not a legitimate investigation that was being done to try to drive Trump out of office. And so what I've said as president, my job is to restore a single standard of justice to end weaponization of these agencies. We're going to have a new FBI director on day one. Uh, we're going to have big changes at the Department of Justice. Americans across the political spectrum need to have confidence that what is going on is based on the rule of law, not based on what political tribe you're in. So I thought that was interesting. He's really walking a a tightrope, right? And he did it pretty well. He he did. (laughs) He gave, he got caught when it had just, so he'd had time to process it by the time he went on CNN, he being DeSantis. Mm -hmm. And so he had kind of a more prepared answer. He got caught in an actual uh, campaign event when it when it happened initially, and he gave a little bit of a different response. Now, he still said the guy should totally not be prosecuted, but he did say Trump didn't come out forcefully enough, which is kind of like trying to split the baby in half, and I don't think that probably tested real well in real time. So he gave a different answer on CNN. When has Trump ever answered a question as artfully as DeSantis did just there, though? Well, any question. This is and this is what you and I have talked about this numerous but, times. Okay, so we don't have to go with Trump, and I know you're with me at least on this. We have better options on the table, and regardless of your feelings, look, the dude made major accomplishments during his presidency, major positive accomplishments, including shifting the Republican uh, Party away from being a bunch of war hawks, including moving uh, uh, the uh, um, the embassy into Jerusalem and recognizing the statehood of Israel. Like, dude made lots of major accomplishments. But I ask you this: what Was that all worth this exhausting, never-ending sideshow? Was it worth it at the end of the day? Okay, so in pro sports, you will, and we've talked about this before in this show, in professional sports, you will see athletes treated differently based on what they actually bring to the table. And there's always this... And it's the same way with dating. And Kevin, I've chatted about this before. Like the level of drama you are willing to put up with in dating is usually relative to 
the appearance of the person by which you are engaging in the dating. And there's a moment where those things cross and it's no longer worth it. It's the crazy hotline. Right. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Same thing in pro sports. Athletes are treated differently. Like John Morant is a great example. He is a phenomenal basketball player for the Memphis Grizzlies. And John Morant now has been suspended multiple times related to uh, gun issues. And if it were any other player, John Morant would have been uh, out of the league. But because he is a phenomenal player, Memphis is willing to stand behind him and we're willing to hope he gets the help he needs and blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing in politics, right? Where Trump, yes, had many good accomplishments, but he also had many complete disasters, that being COVID, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. And you're right, Ethan, that this drama, there were some successes, but the successes are not worth the continual thing that you have to go through. Uh, okay. Real quick, before we get to get to a break, because I see Kurt Darling, he's practically foaming at the mouth uh, in, in a fit of rage to get to his... <laughs> like, I, like the guy had rabies. <laughs> We were just trying to promote the newscast. <laughs> but before we get to the newscast, I did want to play just because I want to call her Large Marge, our old friend Large Marge, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She had something to say as well. The American people are going to be furious. And, and what Jack Smith is doing is, is the weaponized government. And he's weaponizing the Department of Justice against President Trump in a complete lie about President Trump and January 6th. Uh... I just wanted to say Large Marge. That was really the primary reason I played her audio. I really don't feel like she normally adds much That's to a good the conversation. Yeah, but no. I also wanted to point out she is in, totally in love with Kevin McCarthy, and it's very weird. Well, <laughs> she has no principles. Like, doesn't stand for anything. Uh, stand you wanna, for the hot takes. You, That's what she likes. Well, I was going to say, you want to talk about somebody on that, that crazy hot pyramid where it's like the line crosses at a very small level. Yeah, that would be her. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the uh, Democrats are weighing in on the cocaine being found in the White House and it turns out it's absolutely no big deal. We'll talk about it coming up next. Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. All right, coming up here in just a few minutes, Brian Baker is going to join us. Of course, he is a Hollywood stuntman extraordinaire and everyone's on strike and we're going to figure out what that's all about, what do the people in Hollywood want and when will they return to work? So that's coming up here in just a moment. But first, Ethan, did you know it is no big deal to bring cocaine into the White House? What? No, I, I wasn't aware. You'd figure that would be uh, like one of the last places you would bring illicit drugs. Now, we're going to do a little montage here. Uh, Fox News caught up with various Democrat House members uh, on the steps of the nation's capital, and they asked them about the cocaine being found in the White House. So now not only can they not catch the person, it turns out it's really just not that big a deal. And when you hear the same people saying the same stuff, you know they got talking points to say the thing. So let's start with Democrat Representative Jamal Brown. He says, no harm, no foul. Fox, right? Yes. I'm I mad guess. at Fox. Okay. Not you. You're great. But I'm mad at Fox. What's up? Okay. I wanted to know if you have concerns that there was an illicit substance brought to the White House and no one seems to be able to find out whose it was. I'm concerned always about illicit substances. No harm, no foul, and we move on. What? 
<laughs> those two things would seem to be in contradiction to well, each no, other. In fairness, I think they edited it to, to, for time ah, down. I okay. think he said a bunch of other things, but I mean, he did say the thing, right? Like he, the take no, no the, harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. Right? You brought some coke into the White House. Hey, no harm, no foul. So where, like, where is it now? Is it can we bring fentanyl into the White House? Can we bring uh, can we bring prescri- illegal prescription drugs the fr- into the, the White House? Not only that, the first th- the first place that I went to when I heard this news and that there was supposedly a blind spot in the cameras that left them unable to determine who put this in the cubby yes. was if I were a bioterrorist, that would be where I'd be putting the anthrax, <laughs> right in the cubby, because nobody would know. And apparently you could just sneak right in with powdery substances and nobody's going to check you in the white. Nobody really believes this. Uh, I, I totally would have had more respect for the Secret Service if they just came out and said, we identified who brought the substance into the White House. We have decided not to prosecute. We spoke with them and they said they'd never do it again. Now, it would be, it would be corrupt as hell. Don't get me wrong, but I would almost have more respect if they did that because at least it would be honest. Uh, yes, and honesty is in short supply these days. Uh, but wait, there is more. Uh, this is Representative Elisa Slotkin, Alyssa Slotkin, and this is great, Ethan. You'll love this. She claims to have absolutely no idea what's going on says we needed investigation, then appears to have no idea there was an actual investigation. Oh, my. <laughs> we need to do an investigation. If there's an illegal drug, find who. They're ending their investigation, though. Is that a problem? They need, I, I think that, I, I'm sorry. I'm just not up on the details. I didn't know they were ending the investigation. There was cocaine found in the White House. There needs to be an investigation. Uh, oh, there was an investigation. Oh, I'm just not up on the details. How is it that the radio guys could be more up on the details than the people in yeah. Congress? Ended it in 10 days. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> How long have they been investigating January 6th? And you want to talk about a comparison. They were able to identify people in tiny wide shots of the entire crowd and be like, oh, yeah, no, that guy was from Evansville, Indiana. Prosecute, prosecute. And they go after them, but then they can't find the, this whoever, you know, mystery mystery perpetrator who brought the cocaine into the White House. Sure, guys. Uh, okay. Here's Eric Swalwell. You may remember him. He slept with the Chinese spy, allegedly, and also farted on television, allegedly. And he is Mr. Flippin' on this because, well, his response is, well, if you want to strip search everyone, that's the only way to stop cocaine entering the White House. Why do you think the Secret Service doesn't care that cocaine was found at the Biden White House? Oh, I I hope they care. There's thousands of people who go in and out of the White House. If you all want to be strip searched, uh, you know, for substances before you go into the White House, um, that's something that, you know, you should work with the Secret Service to see if they can accommodate. So the only way to keep cocaine out of the White House, according to the guy who banged Fang Fang or whatever, wasn't that her that, name? That was her name. I, was, I, I thought it was Fru Fru, but I'm like, no, that's not right. Yeah, I, Fang Fang. Yeah, Fang Fang. The guy who allegedly slept with the Chinese spy and allegedly farted on television uh, is that if you have to strip search everyone, that's the only way, Ethan, to keep cocaine out of the White House. It's like they don't have uh, hair tests. <laughs> Now, believe it or not, Rob, there is historical precedent for White House having entered, or for cocaine having entered the White House before. Did oh, you know this? I did not. Dating back to the FDR administration, allegedly <laughs> it was used to treat his sinuses by the White House doctor, as witnessed by the then Attorney General. We don't know for sure because after FDR died, his uh, medical records from the White House mysteriously disappeared, likely to cover up the fact that doctors knew how poor his health was. While 
while he was running for re-election, I believe for the fourth term at the time. So this is not the first time even a Democrat president has brought cocaine into the White House. See, and you know how much I love history, yeah. Rob. You know how much I, I love and, history. And this is why we have you here. You're the only person who would possibly know which presidents have done cocaine <laughs> in the White House. Do I we, can tell you which presidents have done weed in the White do House. We <laughs> think, do we think that is the only president to have done cocaine in the White House? Do we think that FDR and now maybe possibly Hunter Biden are the only presidents slash their family to have done cocaine in the White House? Maybe George Bush. He, he was a man who liked to party. <laughs> hey, real quick, before we get to a break, I did want to point out we are on the YouTube stream. If you would like to watch this award-winning program, all you have to do is head over to YouTube. You just type Kendall and Casey in your browser. And if you do that right now, we did this yesterday, and since you're here today, I wanted to do it again. You are, and many people may not know this, you are a phenomenally talented artist slash political, I want to call it cartoonist, but that's not right. What do I call you? You call me a hobbyist because I, <laughs> I, mean, I do art. I do art as my hobby. But I do it's, it not, for it's, my... Not, it's not just art, though. You're great with coming up with clever things. I mean, you're like a Gary Varvel in the sense of you're great at drawing things and people will. You're not just like drawing a picture of someone. You come up with clever things to tie into said picture. And you've been doing this for many, many years. We always try to showcase them. And if you go to YouTube right now, you will see the very fabulous wanted poster <laughs> that you drew on the whiteboard for me. My gosh, how long did this take you? It is one of the greatest greatest things I've ever seen. You know, believe it or not, the lettering took longer than the actual picture because <laughs> it takes forever to color in all those black areas with a whiteboard marker. And by the way, I'm I'm uh, 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 ponying up for all the supplies here, all the art supplies. Locally. We don't have we don't have like markers for you to do this. We did, but I ran them dry. <laughs> so now I got to buy well, there, my own. <laughs> there is still one here. and Maybe we'll showcase this later this week of Eric Holcomb as Eric the Red or Eric the er Eric the Napoleon. Eric the Napoleon, Emperor which is Eric. awesome too. Uh, you are the best. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Brian Baker is going to join us. We will talk about the Hollywood strike. What's it about? What do they hope to accomplish? When do they get back to work? Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. It's Kittle Casey, 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. What's going on? Our next guest may have the answers. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Let's go to the drive. Ubler.com hotline joined by, you know him, you love him. Long time on air talent here at WIBC and stuntman extraordinaire, the great Brian Baker. Brian, how are you, my friend? Oh, my golly. With an intro like that, my whole day is turned around. Rob, how are you? And, and we got Kindle, we got Kindle and Casey? Uh, so Casey's on vacation, Bri. It's just us, brother. Um, so oh, I, I see. 
Wait a- this is like the old days. <laughs> See, so I was hoping to like get the inside scoop. I was going to ask her all about how like your ego is out of control now because you've got your own show and everything. But this is like the old days, you know, Rob. This feels like coming home when we used to do the radio show together. My, those were good days before I decided to move down to Atlanta. And well, that's just working out splendidly with the strike. Okay, so let's talk about it. So you are. So I think everybody should know this by now. But there's always new people in the cars listening to us. You are, in addition to being an honor personality which you were here for years your your kind of main job is and has been for many years you're a stuntman like in commercials in music videos in movies you do the dangerous stuff yeah, well, you know, it's a, uh, the, the guys that get paid really big bucks do the super dangerous stuff. But, yes, I mean, that is that is a big source of my income, and uh, it's been cut off. The spigots have been shut off, and it's not looking good. And, you know, i got to tell you, Rob, I think we are at a major turning point right now for the film industry and, and productions in general. And it's really, I mean, it's not just about the fact that I'm sure everyone's heard about what's happening with streaming and, of course, writers and actors. They're upset because they're not getting the money that they used to get on residuals, but it's also about AI. And, you know, listen, I don't know how much you've screwed around with this AI stuff, but I've done some work with it, and it's scary what it's capable of cranking out. And so, you know, there are these doomsday scenarios out there where people are imagining a world where you you say you want to, you're sitting at home, and uh, the algorithm kind of knows what your viewing habits are, and you say, you know what, I'd like to see a, a new episode of my Miami Vice or a new episode of Seinfeld. And you know what? I want Bruce Willis to star in it. And uh, I want Gwyneth Paltrow in there. And and maybe, you know what? Take my likeness and put it in the uh, in the show as well. And it will spit that show out to you and feed it to you. So we could be looking at, at a point in time, if they don't take a stand right now, where you won't even need anyone to show up on a set. You can just create everything digitally. Okay. So Brian Baker is our guest, stuntman extraordinaire. Uh, we're talking about the strike in Hollywood. So you're telling us this strike is about a bevy of issues. It's not just kind of typically like, hey, we're underpaid and we demand better benefits package. This is about a whole host of issues. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the issues, Rob, and you probably won't hear, you know, maybe I'll have to change my name with the union and go under a different name after saying this, but, you know, in the old days in Hollywood, when actors were on series and they did films, you know, they were not getting residuals. So you've got these old-time sitcom stars that were on classic shows like Donna Reed, and unless they owned a portion of the show, they got paid the first time that show aired, and then that was it. And then as time went on, agents got together, and they put together a a deal and and worked it out so that writers and actors were getting residuals to where every time that show aired and re-aired, you were getting a check. And so, you know, a lot of actors and a lot of writers rely, rather, on uh, residuals as a huge portion of their income. And so... It's been very lucrative. You look at people like the, uh, the the stars of Friends. I mean, they were making twenty to thirty million dollars per year just on residuals. So you certainly have had a uh, an industry that people have gotten very fat and rich for a long time. The ones that are on the top, but then streaming came along, and streaming is a completely different animal where. 
people can these these streamers they just pay a licensing fee to all of these production companies and they acquire the content and it's not calculated the same way that it is when you see a program on a cable channel or a network channel and so you go from getting maybe you know here's a great example like if i if i go do one day worth of stunts on a film and it's in a theater and it gets a wide release well at least for that next year i'm going to get the exact equal pay that I got the first time I did it, and then over time it, it dwindles down and it's less and less. Well, with streaming now, I'll be lucky if I do a film like I did, I did Black Panther, well, you know, I got a nice hefty paycheck uh, for the week that I, I was on that show, but I'll be lucky to see even a hundred bucks from that. So, you know, I guess the, the overall story here is that Hollywood got a really good deal for a really long time. Actors were able to make a lot of money. Writers were able to make a lot of money. And now those deals are going away because streaming's come along. The money's not there anymore. The way that things are being calculated and the way that people consume content is different. And so, you know, the streamers have got to negotiate on their end because they can't give everything away. They have to be able to operate. And, uh, you know, the actors and the writers are scared. But, Rob, how many people that are out in the working world actually go and, and do a job and then continue to get paid for it for years and years and years. <laughs> so, you know, you can see both sides of it. And frankly, people that work on the sets as as grips, the people that work in lighting, they don't get residuals. They get paid for their day on set, and then that's it. Now, they have the unions, they have the nice benefits, but that's it. They don't continue to get paid for the work that they do. And what's really bad about this strike is, it's not just fat-ass actors and writers that have lived on the high on the hog for years and years, and now they're out of gigs. It's a lot of side businesses. Like, I work for a company called Covert Camera Vehicles. Covert, they, they provide uh, the arm cars for yeah. chasing for chasing, for capturing films and stunts. Uh, you have people that are caterers. You have people that handle dry cleaning. All of these businesses are affected. And so it's hurt a lot of people. And the truth is, I'm not sure that this thing will get resolved even this year. Oh, wow. So let, let me, Brian Baker, our guest, we're talking about the strike in Hollywood. How does it work when you go on strike? Does somebody send you an email? Do you get a certified letter? Do, uh, like, is, there, is it by uh, Paul Revere shouting we're on strike instead of the British are coming by horse? How do you find out in Hollywood you're on strike? Uh, the the uh, Screen Actors Guild sends you a, a notice via email, and they say, all right, uh, if we don't have a deal by uh, such and such date and time, then uh, you are not permitted to work on any productions, you are not permitted to uh, to promote any productions, and you're on the beach until we can get this all worked out. But get on those picket lines and stand strong and, and go union. And, uh, you know, man, that, uh, everybody's real uh, excited about that for a couple of weeks and hoping to get the best deal but when it all comes uh, comes out in the end i don't think anybody's going to be real happy and i think the glory days for hollywood in terms of the big money are over hey before i let you go I, i'm curious on this so like in the nfl or pro sports the owners usually win a strike because they're billionaires and yeah the players are millionaires but the owners are much richer and probably smarter with their money so they can last longer in hollywood is it the same way like i mean yes you guys are united and you're strong and everybody's standing firm together but can you out last the studios the streamers can can you guys do that in in, in hollywood 
No, I mean, I'm sure uh, Tom Cruise can, Brad Pitt, but no, the majority of people can, and the studios are aware of that, and they've even said in print, you know, there was a big deadline article that came out, that people are going to have to lose their houses, and there's going to have to be a lot of pain suffered by people that are below-the-line talent and until, really, they're able to come to an agreement. And I'm telling you, like, the, the last agreement that they put together, the last contract, was not that good, and that was the time that they should have jumped on streaming and AI, but back then it was so new, and the Internet as a distribution center was so new that you know, everybody just kind of brushed it aside and thought, well, you know, this is just sort of a toy. We're not really sure how this is going to work yet, and so they didn't put it into the contract, and now it's coming back to bite them. Hey, before I let you go, i got about a minute left. Can you tell the story, because she's out on tour and is number one again and everybody loves her, about the time you got in trouble for being too close to Taylor Swift? Yeah, I was at the iHeartMedia Awards uh, doing a little stuff where I was uh, playing the character of Left Shark, which was a, 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 a Katy Perry uh, thing. She had these dancing sharks on her stage, and one of them was just absolutely awful. And so, uh, anyway, that, as uh, as a little uh, bit, I was uh, on stage with Ian Deering and uh, wearing the Left Shark suit. And so, anyhow, uh, uh, Taylor Swift was performing at this little uh, gathering, and uh, in between uh, doing my part, I was not in costume and was over by the, uh, the buffet table. And it, it turns out, Rob, that uh, when someone is a uh, big-time star and you're near catering or the buffet table, you're supposed to not make eye contact and step away. Well, I didn't do that. And so uh, security let me know that uh, they would appreciate it if, if I just kind of backed up and, and, and didn't bother Miss Swift. But then there's a case, the kicker was that later on when I was in costume, uh, Swift wanted to take a photo with me. <laughs> I love that story. That just makes my day every time. Hey, have I told you how much I miss you? You are a, you are just a national treasure, Brian Baker. I miss you. I love you guys. And, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to come back. Urban One, if you're listening, anytime, I'm ready. <laughs> Brian Baker, thank you, my friend. Thanks, brother. 93 WIBC, it's Kendall and Casey Show.